0: Hey guys, welcome back. Today we're going to talk about how watch history affects today's market. Hey, we're back. It's Thursday. The Trading Desk, you guys know me. My name is Jason Main. I have a co-guest.
1: Elena Lackman.
0: Elena. Elena is one of our traders as well and has been on the show regularly. This is, uh, this is great, you're you back. somehow
1: convinced me to come back.
0: With a little notice. <laughs> That's um, right. But uh, today we're going to talk about uh, the overall topic we're going to get into is how the history of a watchmaker can inspire enough confidence to kind of set today's market prices. Which is interesting and we kind of all assume this and kind of know this from the back end, but you never really take a time to dive into it and kind of analyze. So thought we thought it would be a cool topic.
1: Excited yes. to chat
0: about it, yes. All right. We're going to go... Uh, we do wrist shots, usually right. right off roll. You Would start you like your first? show. Nope. So, something you guys haven't seen yet, and I'm enjoying quite a bit. This was uh, very, very generously gifted to me by a good friend slash client. Uh, what you're looking at there is the uh, probably the, one of the coolest Seikos that I have definitely owned. Um, this is the Topper Edition. So, special 500-piece limited edition sapphire cap bezel, sapphire crystal instead of the hard lex, and then basically, like, all the black surrounds, black markers, so pretty cool. Thing is a torch at night, just loom for, like, four or five hours. Uh, it's been pretty cool. I'm excited for it. So Do you wear it a lot? I've, I got it on Monday.
1: Oh, you just got it.
0: And I've, it hasn't left my wrist, so yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's Take been pretty the place good.
1: place of your Bulgari, huh? yeah.
0: It's back in the box. All right. So
1: gotta rotate them around. Yeah. Um, How about you? In preparation for our conversation today, um, IWC Portuguese Chrono Ponte. Always love this watch. Um, like it in the regular Chrono. Like it in the Rocha Ponte. Um Pretty sharp looking. Cool complication. Yeah. Pretty
0: piece. Rose gold matches the rest of what you're rocking. Ensemble.
1: Yeah. I like um a lot of the color. Combinations, but this is obviously I always like gold with black um just kind of a cool piece I think you know versatile can be worn for dress I always talk about versatility and watches I think it's something I'm personally really attracted to um and this piece you know lives up to that
0: it's got the Santoni okay. strap on it so you it does have a
1: cool Santoni strap on it
0: almost flip it around in a exactly in my
1: orange or red shirt we had a discussion about yeah. this before there's a pole on,
0: in the in the box is that red is or it orange?
1: red or is it orange I think it's red. Somewhere in between. All right.
0: Anyways, moving on. We uh, special treat. We are doing top five. I don't know if you knew we were doing top five, but no, we are. No, I love it. All right. It
1: always surprises me every time.
0: Well, it's kind of the idea. <laughs> All Hello. right. So pretty diverse. Look at that. RM at number one. Felipe Massa. Uh, so the number one, RM special edition Massa. Do you uh,
1: normally start with one? I thought you normally start at five.
0: I, it's you want to go that other way. It's, it's, right. it's my show. I All right, do sorry. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Felipe Massa, very cool RM. Not something you see uh, in the standard inventory. Uh, generally, when we have an RM, it's kind of like an RM11 basic titanium. This is kind of a cool piece. If you're a Cleveland Browns fan, that's the watch. Peter Bell, shout out to Peter Bell. That's your watch. Uh, probably about 120 grand too much, though. But... Um, fantastic watch for what it is. Is it worth 140 grand? I mean, we've talked about RM bubbles before and, uh, I don't know, but, uh,
1: Sometimes I'm surprised when RMs even make it to our website.
0: You know what? Yeah. 140 grand, but you pitch that to the right few people and and they just don't even make the website. It's a really, really cool piece. It's a lot of money. And I don't, I mean, for me, for what it is, for the complication, and I know it's cool. I know it's comfortable,
1: I feel like with the tennis, you know, the open and stuff going on, people are paying attention to RM right now. I guess. So I, I mean, guess so this is a
0: brand sense. that fits perfectly what we're going to talk into later. So we'll reference it uh, right. back into that conversation. But number two, how about I give that one to you?
1: Rolex Daytona. Nothing surprises me about this. Um, I like that it's a steel Daytona, not a ceramic. Good old classic over there, black dial, which is my preference. Um, I'm not surprised it's up there.
0: So, the uh, 116520, right? So, um, still in-house, but steel bezel. Uh, I like the 116520 better than the ceramic. I've said it before. I think the ceramic is a good attempt at making the watch a men's watch again, like a larger, whereas I feel like this watch is pretty commonly interchangeable. And a lot, I know a lot of women, personally. We have a few uh, very high-up women in the company that now that currently wear Daytonas. Uh, there are, yes. Daytonas. So... It's, it's a good piece. Uh, definitely has, you know, that sporting heritage uh, pedigree with the racing. I think if I was going to own this case or, or a non-ceramic case, I'd want the El Primero movement, um, which I guess is kind of everybody's opinion since the mm-hmm. prices are higher. So maybe this is the better value prop, but... Um,
1: in line with, again, what we're going to talk about in a bit, um, you know, I think the ceramic Daytona is kind of attempt to make the watch more contemporary. I think it's a classic watch, obviously, in steel, will never go out of style, it will always be something. But adding kind of ceramic, which I think is an innovative material, um, and, you know, the creation of, of ceramic is an innovative process. Um, so it's an attempt to make things more contemporary, which is cool. To me, they're really different watches. Um, I'm with you, though. I would want a steel one, just plain old steel
0: classic. All right, awesome. Yeah, I like the piece, but uh, no surprise that it, it's a Daytona, and it's being clicked on. Yeah. What is funny is, though, that the RM is number one, and then the sub's all the way at four. But first, we'll get to number three. Uh, giving the RM a run for its money price-wise, um, and I would <laughs> argue a value, a better value than the RM in terms of complication, uh, is this beautiful, beautiful uh, perpetual calendar. So, obviously, full calendar, moon face, uh, precious metal piece, so you're getting value there. So not only is it you know fighting above its its price range in terms of complication, but you're also getting substance with the metal. You're getting the paddock name. You're getting a watch that you know will out obviously outlive you in hundreds of years. I was gonna children. say a
1: long-term investment. I guess it could be argued, the whole, but the whole a you don't ever really there. own
0: a paddock, You just you know pass it along. <laughs> uh, RMs like you do own that RM and have fun with that later. Yeah, we'll, but we'll see uh, what happens. Yeah, so number three, uh, that's actually kind of kind of interesting. So you have one, two, three, four, essentially steel sport watches, and then uh, two high-end a pieces. Complicated, yeah. yeah. It's Gold kind of piece. a cool mix of five pieces. Number four, everybody knows what that is. Just uh, one hell of a durable daily kind of everything watch. Tank watch. Yeah. So, uh, Submariner 7950. Obviously, Submariners get clicked on all day long. They get sold. I mean, we sell. I don't even know how many Submariners, a lot. I mean, I think we sold, uh, what was it, like 82 Rolexes last last month or something like that? It's interesting it's
1: too, um, you know, again, the ceramic bezel versus an older piece, all of them seem to be popular and all of them seems to sell yeah. and people have preferences over what they like and what they don't like.
0: It's kind of an all boats rise situation, mm-hmm. especially with the Submariner and the Daytona steel pieces. So if I'm looking at that watch and I personally, and I've said as much on the last two episodes or so. Like I personally probably wouldn't have wanted to wear, only own a non-ceramic, like an older generation sub, by itself. But after having a sub, a ceramic sub, like I can go back and say, oh, that, you know, that's kind of. I'm gonna cool. be honest.
1: I'm very much considering buying myself a ceramic sub. You should. I. You're
0: think gonna think get to that non-date be a good... and be one of the cool kids, or?
1: No, I'm gonna go date. All right. I know everybody says go non-date.
0: It's just a little edgier, a little cooler. Yeah, I don't
1: know. I like the function of a date. There's sure. an actual real reason why you need a date. Is there? I think so.
0: Okay. Well, that's a great segue into our number five piece, <laughs> which is a Grande Date. So, not only do you need a date, but you need a giant one. Um, this is actually a really cool piece. So, uh, what which, which perplexes me here is it's on wait list, and it's still the top five clicked watch on the website. So, I mean, you're going to assume that it's sold prior to... It going up here but that's weird because we would have we wouldn't have screenshot this all right so the watch is gone right it's on waitlist. which by the way if you don't know uh, we have this waitlist feature on the website which you can click put your information and the next one that we get uh, we'll reach out to you um, so this is the gen 2 so in my personal opinion my favorite configuration for the chrono for the non-chrono i do prefer the gen 3 interesting um, i think the case shape on the gen 3 pretty much the gen 3 is a better watch in almost every single way Except for when it comes to the chrono, in my opinion, the dial layout and the, the way it looks, so I like the Gen Two. But uh, so yeah, this is the Gen Two Grande Date Chronograph steel bracelet. Um, just kind of a cool, timeless Love Vacheron. It. It's it's almost the pinnacle of Vacheron. So we're we'll, we're gonna talk about, you know, uh, it's
1: interesting how well those watches fit into the conversation we're about to have.
0: That is interesting. I was thinking and we didn't in know particular about the
1: overseas. Um, okay. When I walked out of the office a couple minutes ago. Um,
0: fantastic all right Good so that's segue. top five segue into the main conversation um i just want to let you guys know too we're gonna have 15 minutes or so i guess depending on how much time we have left uh for questions at the end of the episode uh for elena i'm sure you don't want to ask me anything <laughs> you can a- address all your questions to elena and she will answer them um i don't even know how to work this it's a computer
1: yeah thank you
0: Thank you. um we'll, we'll, fa- figure, it we'll out. figure it out yeah, okay. anyhow so yeah Uh, Q&A at the end of the episode, leading to the main conversation. um, I don't know if you guys saw the thumbnail at the beginning, but essentially, and I kind of outlined it in the beginning of the conversation as well as Elena, we're going to be talking about what, at its heart, right, we talk about all the time, like uh, what the market's doing, what the market is at, the secondary market, the bubbles, all that stuff. And then we don't really take the time to kind of hone in on uh, what makes that market exist and the the foundation of why that market is what it is and if you're going to go back you go all the way back it's brand history right so everything from the confidence that you have in a manufacturer everything from you know how capable they from a warranty standpoint then making the watches uh you know we put a lot of faith in manufacturers and, and pricing in pricing and watches in whether or not they're in-house and what their Mm -hmm. capabilities are at producing movements, and all of that goes back to the history of the watchmaker, right? So the idea of today's show is that history. History
1: and brand identity.
0: The confidence in the brand in a whole, right? So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Not history specifically like this date and this date Mm -hmm. and this date, but who they are and what they stand for and and why they are what they are now, as opposed to some brands, and we're going to break this down a little bit better but as opposed to some brands that either don't have that history or they have actual legitimate history, but don't have a foot to stand on in terms of brand identity and kind of what they have to do now to figure it out.
1: Or have out. strayed from their brand identity.
0: Yeah, exactly. All
1: right.
0: Fantastic. So uh, you guys know we're going to have to do it. Um, we're going to go Rolex first, right? Okay. The most iconic, right? The king. They got the crown. They they hold all the trophies. They hold all the patents. Uh They hold uh, three out of the top five most clicked watches on the website for for not um, by mistake. Um, So yeah, Rolex has pretty much an untarnished reputation, right? So besides, I mean, you tell me, but besides all of the um, budget and everything they've spent in the last who knows how many years, certainly since I've been into watches, it's it's always been... uh, you know, all the advertisement, all of the posh, all of the... When you make it, when you're successful, you buy yourself a ups. Mm-hmm. So the that's brand recognition. not a mistake, right? Absolutely not. Just give us a little insight as to, like, your opinion on... How that works?
1: You know, so when you look at the market today, the major conversations that are going on are, are Rolex and Patek. Um, it's very rare that we, you know, have a long conversation about, although we do, about you know what's going on with IWC or JLC or Hublot. Um, you know, for mainstream and a lot of the collectors and a lot of the people that we're talking to, we're talking about Rolex and Patek. And um, to me, you know, both of those brands have just stayed true to their identity. For example, when watches started to get really huge and were, you know. 47, 48 millimeters. Um, those two brands were like, we're not going there. We're not doing that. Um, I guess the largest watch Rolex has ever made is a 41 millimeter? Is that 44. Correct? 44. With oh, yeah. P- DC. Sorry. Yeah. You're correct. 44. Um, but never, you know, into something that's a 49 or just outrageous. Um, same with Patek. They've, they've kind of stayed true to who they were and who they are, and it has never really changed. And I think. You know, as consumers, we want to feel consistency and we want to feel trust in the people we're buying for, especially when it's that much money. So to me, that has a lot to do with why they are where they are right now. Um, I think marketing, they've done a great job, particularly paddock. I mean, we referenced it today. Um, their marketing campaigns are fantastic, and I think that has a lot to do with why they are where they are. The other thing is from a design perspective, and I was thinking about this a lot, um, you know, there's kind of a core – Line that these these brands do these successful lines um brands excuse me so like for Rolex we've always we've had a Submariner we've had GMT we've had these watches forever and over the years they've gone and they've innovated on materials and you know upgraded movements and upgraded cases and and changed it but they've kept the the core of what the watch is Sure. which i think is why people are comfortable buying it you the know? dna exactly um and i think that that says a lot to the consumer
0: when something's not broken you don't fix it 100%. right so these brands have the wherewithal to say you know i am paddock i am complication i am perpetual calendar i am the pinnacle of dress watches um and this is what we do we're here for a reason Um, This, you know, exactly to your point, we referenced like you never really own a paddock you hand it down. That's genius. Somebody somebody made that up and it was genius. The new weekly calendar, someone, either it's true with the handwriting on the board or somebody made it up, but it is genius. And they said, you know what, we're going to roll with it. And it's stories like that. And really, I mean, for watches in general, those stories are what sell the brand. They might not sell the watch in that moment, but they sell you on the brand. So later when you're looking at it and you go, oh, yeah, this is a paddock, It's the watch, you know. Um,
1: but then it's interesting. So you start to ask yourself, a brand like JLC, steeped in history, one of the oldest manufacturers, how come JLC doesn't have the same recognition and the same interest and the same popularity and the same market share that a brand like Patek does?
0: So I think it's it's mismanagement. I think that over the years we've gotten to the point where, like, maybe that model didn't sell as well instead of holding to something that's true like a you know like a true reverso let's let's throw a 1931 tribute out there let's try this let's let's figure out what the next step is and it's instead of holding to your core beliefs and who you are as a company like maybe we make another model and another one and let's do this brand
1: see and i would i disagree cuz i actually think it's the exact opposite so for a brand like jlc um, jlc and iwc i'll say They've been producing the same models for so many years. And it's like there's so many out there. And, you know, I was talking to somebody about it today in the office. If you decide that you want an IWC 7-Day, a Portuguese 7-Day, awesome watch, love that watch. If you decide that you want one and you start your search, like they're available everywhere under the sun.
0: So that's so the fact that they're readily available Takes away from the luxury 100%. aspect of the watch. Luxury is scarcity. So, but my point is, is that you have to decide you want a Portuguese after looking at a Portofino, after looking at a Pilot, after looking at it. So there's just there's too many lines, and it's fine if you make that watch, discontinue it, move on to something new, try and figure out where your foothold is. But if you're a brand like Breitling and you have like I don't know, hundred SKUs, it's just too much. Although they've started Panerai, to tear it
1: down a little, they understood.
0: Right, so Panerai, same thing. Way too many SKUs. Not not to mention, and I love Panerai, don't get me wrong, but not to mention that you're already dealing with the aspect that, like, your model numbers don't quite make a lot of sense to people. Your, you know, the, the way... I do think in the last couple of years with, like, nailing down those three cases, the Radimir, the 1950, and the regular Luminor, they took, a like, a big step. But there's just... You have to do your best to educate customers and say, this is what we make at our heart. This is what we are. So, like for Rolex that's the Submariner.
1: I think it's about evolving too. Um, Again I was thinking in particular about the Vacheron Overseas today and um, you know there's been how many versions of the Overseas? Three?
0: Uh, There's three major generations but there's probably a dozen Um, of iterations in between.
1: And I think Vacheron actually did a really wonderful job when they released the newest version of the Overseas because They tried to innovate, you know, they made the integration of the strap, which I think is really helpful and something that people really like. I think they didn't stray too far from the DNA of the watch, but they did make it a more modern aesthetic um, and they kind of kept the core colors. Like they didn't do too much, but they did some really nice innovation. It's similar to the way I feel about Rolex. Like they didn't change the Submariner they put a more modern ceramic bezel on it.
0: Um, I I agree with you 100%, and that's why the Gen 3 is an awesome watch. But the watch. problem is that's the only Vacheron that that you can hang your hat on. Yeah. Like the Historiques and all that stuff is it's like quirky and kind of cool, but it's not. But is how you that make just a fad
1: based? Like right now, you know, sport watches are in. That's what people like. That's what people are wearing. Will it go back one day to people wanting to wear you know dress? strap watches, I think it will because we're watching it, we watch the the climb and the decrease in, of, of case sizes all the time. We went up, like, the were Zeniths that were being produced at like 49 millimeters. Who can wear that? It's insane. Right. But we're watching them come down. I think it's part of, I actually think Panerai is doing pretty well. Um, I do too. But uh, you know, it's gonna be Panerai, it's, it's gonna be a tough thing for Panerai. They're big watches, but they're, you know, we watch the Douai. we watch them come out with smaller. They know what's happening. Um, I do think that the sport watch thing is a trend. Do I always think that luxury sport watches will be popular? Probably, but I do think we'll see people want to go back into more traditional kind of dress watches.
0: I, I do agree with you on that. I think that the forty-two millimeter submersible, by the way, is a fantastic launch for them. I think it changes the game in terms of who can wear a submersible.
1: That watch is awesome.
0: It is awesome. It's so you sh- awesome! You should get one. I know
1: that would be the a cool forty-two
0: watch. submersible in rose gold it's is
1: so fire. good.
0: <laughs> so, but my point is, is that if I'm Vacheron and I hit the nail on the head with the three, right? And I don't have a footing to stand on like we were talking about in terms of history. I can't keep making historiques because that's what I used to do. You gotta figure out, you're a business. You gotta figure out what works. So if I'm paddock, I can keep making annual calendars and perpetual calendars because that's what I do and that's been proven to work. If I'm Vacheron, you gotta pivot and you gotta say, listen, we're having a lot of success with this. Let's cut two dress lines and let's focus on one. Is my is my point, and that's what would make Vacheron in five years a solid brand to stand on some, le- some legging. And I said the same thing with Breitling. We've said the same thing with Panerai, and and it does come down to even Cartier. Come and Cartier has done a fantastic job in the last year or so. I think
1: Cartier is right up there with Patek and Rolex, to be quite honest with you. Like they've stayed true to their core. They've innovated. They've moved into in-house movements. Um, but you know, Cartier they control their market.
0: They do, they do a great job. When they overproduce, they had a, a, a very aggressive buyback on the secondary market to control, so it shows that they understand what the market mm-hmm. is. The thing with Cartier is they did step outside of, like, making too many models, too many watches, mm-hmm. overproducing, but they did the, the responsible thing, the right thing, and they corrected it, and they scaled down the models. They came out with some really, really cool new designs that, that were received really well.
1: And they've gone back to their heritage. You know, yeah. they've reintroduced watches that have done well for many, many years, you know, the Panther and, and all that. So again, I think it's staying true to the core of who you are and figuring out how to innovate and, and make it interesting again. Um, I think the Cartier model is interesting and a good one. Um, you produce, you discontinue, and then you reintroduce it um, and get the excitement. <laughs> but up Cartier's,
0: yeah, Cartier's ideology there is like, they don't discontinue it till it's at its peak. It's like this watch is on fire, guess what? You can't have it anymore. Yeah, well... And, you know, what do we say about scarcity? That's, Cartier is probably one of the best brands that, like, for not a lot of money, you get that regal feeling, like you mm-hmm. opened, you know a, a, you know, a very, very expensive mm-hmm. box. It's like... Uh, I don't know. It's I don't like think opening anybody a, a would be Louis getting that Louis Vuitton on a coach budget or something like that. You know getting what I mean? that it's,
1: red box, yeah. It's <laughs> a cool
0: watch, and they definitely make some cool models now. I, I'm a big fan of the Chrono version of the new Santos. I think it's a pretty cool watch. But um, yeah, so Cartier wasn't something I initially thought we'd be talking about in the. I told you I was going to surprise you. I told but you it I actually, yeah, it. it makes a lot of sense, and it's <laughs> it's a good run. Um, there are a couple brands that are or towards the bottom of that, which is unfortunate, and uh, like Roger Dubuis. I think is a fantastic heritage watchmaker who has, you know, they have a lot of, um, you know, a lot of steam behind the brand and heritage, but they have just lost their way and they just don't I think quite know where to go.
1: I think it will be interesting, though, because I think they're a brand that it's, um, you know, they come up and they come down and there's interest and there's not interest and it peaks and it wanes and... I think we will find ourselves talking about Roger Dubuis in a big way at some point. I, th- I think there's some interesting things. Um, their vintage pieces are awesome. Yes. The, the, the key thing is
0: all the vintage stuff is awesome. So yeah. all like the buy retros all the, you know, even the old octos, all that stuff is, is awesome. And I have a soft spot for that. And I actually respect the brand quite a bit. I just feel like the whole we're going to go after RM isn't the right play. Agreed. And I just feel like they're wandering around the desert right now one day they might find their way back
1: but you know what a lot of brands are it's it's a tough market out there like when people are only interested in two brands like it's hard to figure out where you fit and how to keep going
0: so if if roger d'abouille tomorrow dropped the brand new sympathy in this in a retro inspired case in that case with the you know the, the shaped crystal and everything and a complication the world would light on fire but instead, they want to do like forged 46 millimeter carbon cases with skeleton movements. And
1: that's so true. You would have such like collectors it would clamoring. On fire. Everybody would want that
0: if but did
1: that. Roger Dubois, are you listening?
0: I mean, so two, one of two things, uh, I'm on LinkedIn, so you can uh, offer me a job there or just send me a royalty check for that yeah. idea and uh, we'll, we'll move on. But um, so, yeah, the, the point is not to rag on these brands, right? No. It's not to say, like, how dare you do this or, or ha, look at you. The point is, like, we generally hope because there's so much history there and how important it is to us that they find their way
1: hundred percent, And I'd, I'd love to hear from, you know, everybody watching out there, like, are you interested? Do you want to talk about these brands? Like, you know, like the conversations just are so driven towards Patek and Rolex, but there are so many other cool watches out there.
0: Well, I've actually had a lot of really, really cool conversations with some of my clients, some new collectors in that the opinion of, you know, let's look for more value in other places is becoming more relevant. A lot of people are starting to go. Well, what if I took a ten years back and I started looking at pieces that, when I first started, why I know I do it when I'm looking at watches now. It's like when I first started really wanting that watch. Like, what's available now?
1: It's interesting though, because I feel like those customers and those clients are no longer gravitating towards things like you know well-known brands like IWC and JLC, and they're going for more niche brands. I mean, I think F.P. Jordan is a great example yeah. of you know the the paddock customer the the person that traditionally liked the watchmaking that was was being done um, from that manufacturer is now shifting towards sort of a more niche specialized for smaller um, manufacturer
0: limited production scarce right precious metal pieces obtainable price points there is a very very solid collector curve Mm -hmm. where pieces that uh, you can't get anymore have already shown that they've shot up so there's some some equity there in terms of being a collector. Uh, you know the man's still alive there's some aspect there of what happens when he dies um, it's gonna be crazy so I mean the brand is uh, it's destined for great things but uh, I've said before the um, Cenograph is my hands down my favorite joint and I think that w- when eventually and, and sadly when he goes he's gonna be known as, as uh, the best chronograph watchmaker that ever existed mm-hmm. and for me the Cenograph is so beautiful and simplicity in its layout that I, unless he comes out with something that just absolutely blows that away, which is probably tomorrow. He'll drop it tomorrow <laughs> um, because I know for a fact he watches the show and uh, he likes Elena. So. <laughs> but um yeah, F.B. Journe, uh, Laurent Ferrier, another fantastic yeah, 100%. Uh, brand that we don't uh, really talk about a lot. Uh, Moser and some of their stuff. The Pioneer, I absolutely love that watch. It's a little too big. The Pioneer was a little smaller. I think I'd really, really want one. But. And then
1: I think also for like the guys that are looking for value in other pieces, then it becomes a treasure hunt. Um, you know, they're looking for those vintage Roger dupuis pieces. They're looking for like some scarce, weird, limited edition from something, something. And then it becomes about the hunt so much. Um, but the contemporary world and what's being produced is, is it's got to be tough.
0: Yeah, so it's definitely, I think the conversation can get, A little bit deeper than this and I don't know that I mean that might be a whole nother show but the idea that that the uh, for whatever degree of confidence you have in a history can shape the market maybe that's a good thing maybe the fact that I like Roger Dubois better than maybe you do I like Roger Dubois well not specifically just using you as an example so maybe I have more confidence in their history because I like the sympathy or I like the pieces that are 20 years old the retro by retros And maybe you don't have the confidence that the brand will come back. Well, that just means that I'm going to go be able to snag up great deals. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, you might be more interested in current, you know, ceramic subs. It's a value proposition for me and vice versa. Right? Like, I'm not the the guy competing to buy your It also just
1: brings it back to, like, why do people buy watches? Like, what are you doing?
0: Because they're awesome.
1: Are you buying them because you love watchmaking or are you buying them because you're looking for you know, a cool complication because you like the mechanical part of it or you're buying a watch because yes. you want it to hold its value. It all comes, all of, comes all back all to that. Above.
0: Yes. Value problems, I mean, so for me personally, it's it's what, what we do for a living. So it's kind of hard to say it's not important to me. But there's watches that I own, like the Octo Finissimo. I have no mistake in the fact that, like, that's not going to appreciate in value. But it's freaking awesome. And I love it. It
1: is awesome. I love um, how much
0: You know, need. so something like, uh, and then there's stuff like this, like the Seiko. This actually has appreciated in value since it came out. And is it a lot? No, but it's it was a limited edition. You can't get it anymore. And but it doesn't mean you're not going to wear the watch. That's the thing. So to answer your question, like I'm fascinated by mechanical things, by, you know, the the story behind things. I think that like as a human being, that's kind of how we're all driven Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, collecting and having something to cherish. But for me, the tool aspect of it and, and being something that actually works.
1: See, I'm such an is. aesthetic person. And, like, I like the finishing and I like, you know, the innovation of materials. Like, say whatever you want about AP. their videos when they show, like, pouring ceramics and stuff. Like, I love it.
0: Uh, yeah, they, they do some great cinematography. The yeah, frosted gold ugh, stuff. It's so cool. Like, it's I, like, I
1: love the finishing. I love the aesthetics of watches.
0: You know the Instagram videos that are, like, uh, where you just watch it like doesn't matter what it is like they're cutting cake or whatever yeah. like it's like that when you watch them or like, like cross the gold yeah, yeah exactly calligraphy and inter- like all of that it's awesome and I think actually um Jorn's Instagram has some really really awesome videos of them like laying dials and like, oh, yeah. pouring enamel and stuff like that it's very very cool the
1: gem setting is so cool if you ever watch the videos of the gem setting even watching them set like um, hour markers yeah I went to the AP factory and I watched them set like the hour markers on stuff like it's pretty cool
0: yeah, and then for, um, I know you know, because we've talked about it before, but like, so for FP Journe, the aspect of like, one person makes your watch from start to finish is freaking awesome. So cool. I think that's so cool. Like, you you don't get that anywhere else. I mean, it, there are some, you know, uh, Mercedes uh, AMGs that are like, built by one person all the way through, but the degree in, in which you have to have demand, you, you have to be able to make dials, make movements, make engravings, and then like... So there are certain things, uh, just to go off on a little tangent, like with the F.P. Journe, there are certain things that are, like, catalogued. Like, they know who made the movement because of the number, but then there's certain things, like, refinishing, like, finishing on bridges and stuff like that that aren't catalogued. But because of, like, under a microscope, the, the twist, they can tell exactly who did the watch. It's really cool. Because the idea is that it's handmade and that the flaw in each turn tells them exactly who it is. It's it's nuts.
1: And when you go to the factories, like, it makes so much more sense, like, of how impressive yeah. it is We're not, that I'm one person... I'm not even person, doing it justice. That one person could go through and make it all. It's, yeah. it's really pretty cool. It is,
0: it is very, very cool. So I think uh, we should just buy FPG Orms, you and I. We'll get matching ones. I would love one, yeah. Elegantes for everybody. All go right. Go fund me. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So I think that does... the gist of the conversation yeah. some justice um i think it's a very cool topic
1: i do too that was interesting
0: yeah so hopefully a little bit of context uh, outside of the this watch sells for this and this watch buys for that and you know we love this brand so um i'm gonna leave the uh last i don't know 15 minutes or so i think we have some time uh if you guys have some questions queued up if you could fire them off in the comment box and i
1: finally found the comment box by the way me a couple minutes, but there I found go. it on you.
0: <laughs> all right. So, yeah, if you could fire off questions, uh, Elena will be answering all of them. Um, and I am just going to read.
1: The, the, this is the awkward. That's how it's going to work?
0: Yeah. So, no, but uh, this is the part of kind of why I hate doing live questions. Okay. Because.
1: You're going to ask me something.
0: No, there's just this, like, quiet while we're both reading. And it kills me that, like, as a viewer, I would expect, break? yeah, so, <laughs> um, anyhow, uh, let's, I'm just going to start reading. If they're stupid, then that's your guy's fault. Sea dweller or Yachtmaster instead of sub? Question mark. Uh, given the markups. Uh, no, because I mean, C-dwe- so Yachtmaster, I guess, makes sense. They sell a little bit under retail. Seedwellers dwellers are still pretty high. And I think at the end of the day, um, the Submariner's the more iconic watch. And if you're going to spend... Yachtmaster, though? I would assume he's talking about a steel Yachtmaster 40, although uh, I absolutely fell in love with the new 42 white gold on flex. That watch is we cool. We had one the other day. I don't know yeah, really. that watch is cool. I should sell some stuff and buy this, but anyhow, moving on. Uh, question, is this a summer slowdown in the watch market or a recession? You know, I think, um, I mean, you can definitely give your opinion on this, but I would say that based on what time of the year it is and how strong this year has been till now Mm -hmm. that for me it's probably some a little bit of a summer slowdown i actually had a fantastic freaking month last month so this month not so much but you know
1: notoriously i mean the beginning of september is a tough month um for most of retail um i think the end of the summer and you know people are getting back to work getting their kids back to school doing all of that i don't think we're in a recession yet um
0: yeah i think it's it's uh, probably coming. It's coming. Watch the market. But... Uh,
1: I mean, everybody knows it's coming. But, um. yeah, I think it's just the summer slowdown. But it we've been pretty lucky. It hasn't really been that slow.
0: Yeah. Don't buy watches right now unless it's throwaway money. Like, you don't buy... We've always said you don't buy watches as an investment. But, like, if always you... Always buy if watches. You're, what do you mean? If you're not going to get hurt, then buy it. I think it. you should
1: always buy watches. Any
0: luxury asset. If, if you're not going to get hurt, then buy it. If you can afford the... you know take it. But I wouldn't buy a Grand Seiko now because you think it's going to appreciate. Uh, Which is actually a uh, perfect segue into Chris Gross's question, which I think is a fantastic question. How do you think Grand Seiko plays into this conversation? Uh, They easily have as much history as Rolex, and they seem not to have the same faith from the market, which is actually, um, I would say, somewhat true um, in terms of faith. I think that the market's turned around a lot. People actually you know, from the people I speak to, respect Grand Seiko quite a bit. I think that they have a long, uh, in terms of people opening up their minds, there's probably a long way to go in terms of making it a uh, you know, palpable household name. But they make fantastic watches. Their movements are scary accurate, like plus minus one second. Um, so They're kind
1: of like a sleeper brand. I
0: they think come
1: out with limited editions and stuff that sell out and trade above retail and... It's not a brand that's, like, hugely talked about, um, I guess, unless you're really into it, but fantastic. And they have such cool, like...
0: They pay attention to the secondary market. They they rebranded, you know, with the whole Grand Seiko, Seiko thing and the badging. They rebranded everything to kind of take one step forward into changing the, you know, people's perspective of them. Um, I like the watches a lot. I do think that they could probably shake up styling a little bit. A lot of their watches kind of look very similar to me, and unfortunately, and I want to like a lot of Grand Saclos, but unfortunately, some most of them look a little like old man-ish to me. Hmm. So, like, the the very like subtle dials with the subtle bracelets. It's almost like
1: Panerai, though, when you know you know. Like, people have preferences on things they like, and the pieces they like, and the story behind the watch they like.
0: Yeah. I just, I would like to see something from them that's a little sportier, kind of like the new quartz that we just got, GMT, but in automatic or, let's say, like a chronograph that's like that ceramic bezel piece they have that's not 44 millimeters. I think they
1: could do some cool things with the accessories too, like a different style bracelet or some really cool straps, um, and that would take it to the next level because they do, you're right, the, I mean, the aesthetic is pretty similar on a lot of the models, um, so something to, to shake it up and make it look a little different.
0: So changing straps would be cool. Their, their actual finishing is phenomenal, like the dial yeah, finishing, I'm- the case finishing, all that stuff, top-notch. Um, I think that price point, like a lot of people will say they, they got a little bit expensive, a little big for their britches. But I think when you take a step back and you realize, uh, how much work goes into the watch, it might be a little bit ahead of its time. Like in a year or two, we might say, okay, that makes sense at seven grand. But, uh, some of the new pieces, the new dress pieces with the, uh, with their hand done dials are fantastic. All right. Um, Tim Moss with sunglasses, regular viewers, always in the comment, um, Inanimate object, but can speak. Grand Seiko needs a 40 millimeter dive watch now. Yeah, I think that would work. Uh, I think either a yeah, like a 39 or 40 millimeter. All right. This, it is it so hard. Into it's a so Seiko. hard to
1: pay attention and read the comments and two
0: like there's also a second sub conversation going on in the in the <laughs> chat which is awesome for these guys but like i'm trying to read the, the things and they're just skipping it past. does it makes
1: it hard you gotta really um, uh,
0: somebody so, mentioned
1: nomos nomos think, is it an awesome brand
0: uh, I think Nomos is an awesome value proposition brand. I think if I had somebody graduating college and I needed to buy them their first like mechanical watch, it'd probably be where I start, either that or Oris. But I do very much feel like Nomos is a brand that you start with. I don't think anybody ends there. Fair enough. But um, let's see here. Five to seven, five to seven K is too low for VC. They just came out with the fifty-six as a new entry level um i don't know so time will tell i mean the 56 is kind of not really that well received but um i don't know i guess as a brand they got to figure out if that's the price range they want to be at i don't really think they need to be at five to seven grand i think you hover right around 15 to 17 thousand dollars and you make yourself a ton of money but see any questions in there you want to take a stab at
1: um, I'm it's legitimately so hard for me to read these and pay attention and have a conversation. Multitasking, not my um strong suit here. Somebody's asking me if I ever think about watches to accessorize my outfits. Um, of course, but more important is I feel like to have one or two watches that you can wear with almost everything. It's probably not a you're like, I don't care.
0: <laughs> no, it's not that I don't know. I think it's interesting. I mean, so like guys do the same thing like straps or if I'm wearing a blue shirt, like I'll break out the Bulgari because I know it works. I guess it's I the reason why
1: they make women's the majority of women's watches in courts because we take them off and we put them down. Um which I actually do appreciate and can understand because it is very annoying if you take it off for a couple of days and then you have to reset it and god forbid it's a calendar or something complicated. But, you know what? Worth it.
0: God forbid you should have to learn and interact with oh, the watch yeah. that you paid money for. Uh, <laughs> JBO Surf points. question. Jason and Elena, your next watch? question mark?
1: I told you. I think I'm going to buy him, um, a ceramic date sub.
0: Non-date.
1: I think a date. I think
0: I'm going to convince her. Um, Either
1: that or like a, a gold Cartier tank, just like an everyday. I wear a ton of gold. Obviously, gold watches are expensive, um, but I wear a ton of gold, so I am thinking about. We've well, been as talking well.
0: about that Cartier tank for like I know. six months.
1: It's classic; it never goes out of style. Like, I also for so I get really uncomfortable. I don't like wearing bracelet watches to work because um, it hits on my computer. I don't know if anybody else has this problem, but um, for me, strap watches are much more comfortable. So, I'm always looking for something.
0: And uh, I think I'm gonna do it. I think I'm gonna hold out for a Smurf. I think it's my next okay. watch. I've been uh, that's an interesting contemplating one. it. Yeah liked it for a long time not cheap yeah no i mean none of them i'll wait till they until they drop out and yeah probably won't happen but anyways all right i think i'm gonna call that a show with our very special guest elena thank you for coming back
1: you're welcome thanks for giving me a heads up on it
0: yeah i think it was pretty good so thanks for uh logging in chat please like the like the video subscribe if you're not Follow I think us on we're, Instagram. I'm yeah, sure Instagram. You. Evo underscore watches. I
1: promise I'll start posting soon. Okay.
0: <laughs> what, what is it?
1: Um, watch girl A.
0: Watch girl A. There you go. No. All right, and uh, you know if you haven't subscribed and you like the videos, please do so. I think we're. Uh, I think we just eclipsed 90, 90 grand. So next uh, next on hundred thousand. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks for tuning in. Have a good one. Bye.